For copyright reasons, music played during the program has been excluded from this podcast. Hornsby and Karingai, this is Triple H News Desk with James Elton Pym and Declan Gooch. Good morning and welcome to Triple H News Desk. I'm Declan Gooch. And I'm Edward Luca, filling in for James Elton Pym. On the program today, a proposal for women's homelessness shelter in Hornsby. What can a North Shore community do about a problem that's very hard to see? And confusion and concern over a plan by the state government to allow unregulated clearing of trees in bushfire-prone areas. Later in the program, we hear about the group of Barara locals determined to renovate sporting facilities at a local oval themselves. They're doing it without the council's help and without their money. And a mural at Asquith Boys High School is about to be demolished, but it was never supposed to be painted in the first place. What, what, what is it and what it, why has it become such an icon? To get in contact, email newsdesk at triplehfm.com.au. That's newsdesk at triplehfm.com.au. You can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash triplehnewsdesk to hear this program again whenever you like. Once again, today's program will be a bit shorter than usual because of the absence of one of our regular reporters. Welcome to the program. A woman has died after sustaining critical injuries in a tragic water skiing accident on Sunday. At about 9.25am, Sarah Tilo, a 20-year-old water skiing champion, came off her skis after hitting the wake of another craft. She was being towed at high speed between the Hawkesbury River Bridge and the railway bridge near Brooklyn. She sustained serious spinal and head injuries and died on Monday night. Officers with the Karingai Local Area Command are investigating the circumstances of the crash. Police are appealing for any witnesses to come forward. Anyone with any information or who was a witness to the accident should contact Crime Stoppers on 1800 333 000. That's 1800 333 An athletics track has just been opened at St Edmunds School in Warunga, allowing children with special needs and visual impairment to get a healthy dose of exercise. The track was opened by Hornsby State Liberal MP Matt Keane. He said there was no bigger honour in public life than to support children with disabilities. The principal of St Edmunds, Cathy Freeman, praised the support of the school community, saying the track would be great for students' interaction and activity. She said staff members had noticed attention rates had improved since the track was built. It took less than a week before the tornado that hit Hornsby last week was dubbed the Hornado. Hornsby Mayor Steve Russell toured the scene of the twister this week and thanked those who helped in the aftermath. He said it was a black day for Hornsby and that he was shocked at the devastation that the, uh, the high winds had caused. The Mayor said Hornsby deserved to be proud of its efforts. It's been called an invisible problem. Homelessness, particularly for women, is an issue that's hard to spot and hard to solve. Homeless women are often victims of domestic violence and have nowhere to go. Now, a Hornsby Task Force is trying to tackle the problem with the help of a women's shelter organisation. They're hoping to build a shelter in Hornsby next year, as Declan Gooch reports. It's a problem that the Hornsby-Karingai region could trick you into believing doesn't exist. Women's homelessness, which is said to be on the rise in the area and across Sydney. It's a hard problem to spot. Homelessness doesn't necessarily mean sleeping on the street, although it often can. But couch surfing at friends' houses, living in fear with an abusive partner, or overstaying in short-term accommodation are all forms of homelessness. It's this problem that the Hornsby Homelessness Task Force wants to address with a plan to establish a women's shelter in Hornsby. The task force has joined forces with the Women's Community Shelters Organisation, which runs a successful shelter in Manly. 
Hornsby Deputy Mayor Nathan Tilbury is a major supporter of the idea. Yeah, the existing women's shelter in Manly um, is basically a safe haven for women uh, that find themselves in a situation where they're being an unsafe situation in their living conditions and, and nowhere else to go or, you know, close to homelessness. And I, I say close to homelessness um, because there's a lot of hidden homelessness with women in, who are living in cars or couch surfing and that sort of thing. There are 46,000 homeless women across Australia every night, many of them victims of domestic violence. John Lockyer, the coordinator of the project, explains. A lot of younger women, particularly those who've got children, um, are being reasonably well looked after, but it's usually the women who are getting on in their 40s and 50s, which are discriminated against in many ways. So if they are in a homeless situation, be it through domestic violence or through uh, economic situations, uh, you know, this, this will provide some relief for them for a short period. The shelter in Manly has helped more than 100 women to find accommodation and support for their situation. The Hornsby site would be the first new shelter to be developed by women's community shelters. Women would have access to up to three months of crisis accommodation in a safe environment. We're hoping to get uh, a shelter which can cater up to, say, 12 women at any one time. And they'll be given an opportunity to live in a secure environment for a period of up to three months. And during that time, they'll be given the opportunity to equip themselves to, uh, with education and also with life skills to be able to get on with the next stage of their life. Funding for the community-run organisation will be challenging to find, but Councillor Tilbury is optimistic that money can be found to pay staff and maintain services. The cash is being sought from a variety of places, including state government. The Women's Shelter organisation um, will fund the initial setup costs. So it's the ongoing cost that we need to work out um, how it will be funded. I think we're talking about a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, and obviously the hope is that uh, we can find some, some income stream and, and some support from the state government to, um, to obviously achieve that and, and have it ongoing uh, you know, for the foreseeable future. The Hornsby-Karingai region is an area of Sydney associated with a high quality of life and local services. But homelessness of women and others certainly exists. In August, Hornsby police held a community barbecue at Brooklyn after locals raised concerns that homeless people living in the caves above the town were behaving violently. That event sought to draw attention to the fact that despite its often affluent appearances, the North Shore is home to a substantial population of homeless people. Here's Matt Keane, State Liberal MP for Hornsby, speaking to Newsdesk at the time. Well, look, I think homelessness is an issue that doesn't just affect our community here in Hornsby. It affects communities right across Sydney. And I think we need a whole-of-community approach to solving this, this great challenge. That whole-of-community approach is something John Lockyer is hoping for as well. His interest came about following the experience of somebody he knew. She was in her late 40s and she was homeless and we've done something to help her. But uh, with uh, my past background and in community housing, we've been able to assist her and now she's uh, getting on with her life, she's got a job. But this is a model which you know is happening all around Australia and um, in, in Hornsby, uh, Waronga, you know, you'll find women in that situation who live in cars, who may live in a, a friend's uh, lounge room. It's it's 
unfortunate. A lot of these women are unseen. Mr Lockyer says the project has seen strong support from council. A women's homelessness forum to discuss the shelter proposal will be held at Hornsby Council Chambers Thursday week. It starts at 5.30pm and runs until 7. John Lockyer can be reached for information or to RSVP on 0407 044 422. That's 0407 044 422. RSVP by this Friday. Declan Gooch, Triple H News Desk. The best local news on radio. Triple H News Desk with James Elton Pym and Declan Gooch. The state government has announced that Hornsby commuters will be next on the list of Opal Card users when the public transport smart card is rolled out to more parts of the train network next year. To use an Opal Card, tap on when you board a train, bus, tram or ferry and tap off when you alight. The system calculates the correct fare, which can be direct debited from your bank account behind the scenes. The card is intended to replace paper ticketing down the track. Hornsby State Liberal MP Matt Keane says using the smart card is like carrying an e-tag in your pocket. From next year, stations between Redfern and Strathfield, Strathfield and Hornsby, Epping to Chatswood and from Chatswood to Wyong will receive Opal Card upgrades. One million journeys have been made since the electronic ticketing system was introduced this year and 37,000 Opal Cards have been ordered. The system is currently active on the 594 and 594H bus routes from Hornsby, North Taramara and the city. A string of burglaries across the Upper North Shore over the last couple of weeks have police concerned. On Tuesday the 19th of November, sometime during the day, a home on Fairlawn Avenue in Taramara was burgled after a back door lock was forced. The house was ransacked with a watch stolen. It was worth $2,500. Then, last Thursday evening, someone broke into a house on Rosetta Avenue in Kalara, leaving the owners with a couple of expensive losses. A Tiffany necklace worth $2,000 was among the stolen items, which, came, which in total came to $14,500. Then, on Friday morning, a house on Mona Vale Road in St Ives was burgled, with jewellery stolen after the intruder ransacked several rooms. Finally, between Sunday afternoon and Monday morning, a local business on Barara Waters Road was broken into, with, pa with files and paperwork thrown about the place, but it appears nothing was stolen. Hornsby police are also looking for the owner of a gold charm-style bracelet, which was handed in. They say it looks unique. If you or somebody you know owns one of these items of jewellery, please visit the Hornsby Police Station, where you'll be asked to prove your ownership. Sunday's St Ives Food and Wine Festival went off smoothly this week, but visitors might have been short a few chairs. That's because a gang of 10 or so youths damaged about $400 worth of plastic chairs early that morning while equipment was being stored on the village green. At about 12.45am, the security guard on patrol noticed the youths pushing the chairs over and interfering with tents. Police were called, but they did not see the intruders. Hornsby police say the damage to chairs caused inconvenience. The state government is planning to allow homeowners in bushfire-prone areas to clear any trees and undergrowth near their home with no restrictions. But will that ha hurt Hornsby and Karingai's natural environment, and is it actually necessary? Declan Gooch finds out. A plan by the state government to allow uncontrolled land clearing within 50 metres of homes in bushfire-prone areas is unjustifiable, says Karingai Deputy Mayor Elaine Maliki. Emergency Services Minister Michael Gallagher announced the proposal earlier this month. Homeowners living near bushland would be allowed to cut down any trees within 10 metres of their property and clear any undergrowth in a 50 metre radius without requiring permission. I really think it's a knee-jerk reaction. It's seeking to put a blanket um, set of rules on, um, on urban and rural 
obvious, if I understand it correctly, uh, and that just isn't appropriate. Councillor Maliki speaking there. She says there's over a century of council policy totally at odds with this proposal. For, what, 107 years now, I believe there's been a tree preservation order or something similar, um, and or certainly the aldermen and councillors have tried to protect the tree cover. We're known for our trees, we're renowned for our trees, yet with thousands of people in bushfire-prone lands, this allows for the removal of thousands of trees without permission. Members of the South Taramara-based conservation group STEP Inc are also opposing the plan. STEP's president, Jill Green, says many parts of Karingai classified as being prone to bushfires have nothing in common with wilderness in less urban parts of the state. Within, within an urban area as against the Blue Mountains, no, I don't. I think it's, there's a lot more um, protection within, within urban areas like Sydney compared with, with the Blue Mountains. We haven't got such big areas of bushland that are where a fire can commence and you haven't got as, as many people there to um, keep an eye on fires and be out there are ready, ready to, um, to fight them. Ms Green also says people may feel obliged to cut down trees after being led to think they won't be safe in a fire unless they do. I mean, that, that's, that's the problem. There needs to be a lot of education so that residents don't think, oh, I've got to clear everything. They need to be told you know, the reasons for clearing and what sorts of trees to clear. It only takes one person to remove a 100-year-old tree and it can't be replaced. The Mayor of Karingai, Jennifer Anderson, told the Sydney Morning Herald when the plan was announced that she was in support of the changes. Mayor Anderson said in an emergency situation, the current processes for applying to remove some trees would be too slow. But theoretically, allowing open slather clearing of trees within 10 metres of any house could mean some landowners would be able to cut down every single tree on their property, whether they were actually worried about a bushfire or not. And history suggests Karingai residents have avoided the brunt of most bushfires in the past. In the time I've been on council and, and involved, over 25 years, we've lost eight houses in Karingai. And yet we're talking about the removal. And in most bushfire periods, we don't lose any. Um, so we're talking about the removal of thousands of trees, hectares of vegetation when in fact bushfire uh, fighting has improved exponentially with the um, air cranes. Researchers at Macquarie University in 2010 found that the distance of houses from the edge of bushland was the most important factor for vulnerability to bushfire. 60% of home losses during the Black Saturday bushfires occurred within 10 metres of bushland. For urban areas though, Councillor Maliki and others believe different strategies can be more effective and avoid tearing up trees and gardens. Building controls and awareness, I think, are far more important in urban areas like ours. The Rural Fire Service has indicated vague support for the idea, but says it's just one aspect of fire prevention. The new rules will be tabled in State Parliament next year. Declan Gooch, Triple H Newsdesk. This is Newsdesk on Triple H 100.1 FM. A driver under the influence of alcohol crashed into a house in Warunga early on Sunday morning, causing extensive structural damage.
Police allege he misjudged a corner on Fern Avenue and veered into the front of the house after leaving a party sometime between 2 and 2.30am. He also substantially damaged his car in the crash. Police attended the scene and conducted a breathalyzer test. The 35-year-old man blew .088. His licence was suspended and he was charged with mid-range drink driving. And a Mitsubishi Triton hit a brick fence on Beechworth Road in Pimble after the 24-year-old driver lost control of the car. The vehicle was damaged extensively. Police wrote the driver a ticket for negligent driving. The man wasn't hurt in the crash. And we'll bring you some music now. Coming right up after this break, the Barara locals on board with a plan to renovate a council oval without the council's help. And remember, you can email us at newsdesk at triplehfm.com.au. That's newsdesk at triplehfm.com.au. Like us on Facebook to hear this show in any separate segments whenever you want, as well as photos, updates and more. Facebook.com slash Triple H Newsdesk. Now here's The Power of Love by Huey Lewis and the News. Frustration was mounting for a group of Barara residents about the state of the facilities at Warina Oval. The council had earmarked funding for a few years down the track, but that wasn't enough for these locals. They're building it all themselves, starting right now and led by the deputy mayor. Declan Gooch has more. Construction of major improvements to Barara's Warina Oval is about to begin, but Hornsby Council isn't behind the changes. Instead, a group of community members, spearheaded by Hornsby Deputy Mayor Nathan Tilbury, are forging ahead themselves, driven by what they see as a lack of adequate facilities at the sporting ground. Newsdesk reported on the effort earlier this year and construction will get underway on the 3rd of December. Previously, um, there's been you know, bureaucratic roadblocks that have been put in the way and it hasn't got off the ground. Uh, now we have a terrific opportunity and it's, it's full steam ahead with the guys. Um, we've got a number of uh, people living in the Barrera area who have volunteered their times, their time to help. Wallabies Rugby League Club members will do most of the construction work but will be helped out by volunteers from across Barara. These people have to be uh, qualified tradespeople to have what they call a white card. So that, that means that uh, they fall under the, you know, the insurance cover uh, by working on the site and, and obviously council's covered being their asset if somebody's you know, hurt or has a problem whilst building, them, building the site. Councillor Tilbury has put together a comprehensive plan. There's three stages to this. Um, the first stage is basically taking the existing footprint of the amenities block and doubling the size. There has been no change to the toilet block at the Oval since 1976 and it's a recurring problem when big events are held there. The first stage also involves constructing new toilets at the far side of the Oval so netballers don't have to walk hundreds of metres in darkness to access the existing block. And a new gym area, a referee room and more storage space will be included in the new building targeting the local rugby league club. Stage two, being constructed at the same time, includes a sports clubhouse on top of the new amenities building, providing a meeting space for 100 to 150 people. There's nowhere that these community groups have to meet, and it's, you know, this uh, community facility will obviously go towards addressing that for the larger community as well. About $125,000 is required for each of the first two stages. The final stage is the construction and landscaping of a track around the park with exercise equipment stations. Money is being raised by a wide variety of Barara community groups. Barara Apex and Lions Club, um, the Scouts, the Girl Guides, uh, Bendigo Bank, the Barara Bush Telegraph, 
uh, and a number of other community organisations that have got right behind this. The project has run into problems working with Hornsby Council. It's unusual for the council to have no involvement in the upgrade of one of its own facilities and there was concern that council would be liable for any injury or mishaps during the procedure. Now what I've been very determined to do is just to find a way over those obstacles to the point now that um, we have now dotted the I's and crossed the T's. Councillor Tilbury says it's a $1 million plus project being built on a budget of $250,000. Council has earmarked funding for its own upgrades, but that wouldn't kick in until years down the track. Two major fundraisers for the project are coming up. The Barara Fete will be held on Saturday the 14th of December from 11am at the Oval. There will be market stalls, face painting, rides for kids and a visit from Santa. That same evening, Movies Under the Stars will see the family film Rise of the Guardians screened outdoors at sunset. That's a free event, but all proceeds from the fete will go to the construction project. It's hoped the fundraiser will net about $30,000. Declan Gooch, Triple H News Desk. Your independent voice. News Desk on Triple H 100.1 FM. In December, a piece of history will be demolished at Asquith Boys High School. It's a mural of the Australian flag painted in 1980 on one of the walls at the school. But it was very controversial back then. What was all the fuss about and why is it being removed? Declan Gooch reports. It was never even supposed to be there, but an Australian flag mural that has stood at Asquith Boys High School for 33 years is set to be knocked down. The Year 12 class of 1980 secretly painted the flag onto the wall in the dead of night as part of muck-up day celebrations. Here's current Asquith Boys principal Terry Griffiths. The painting on the wall, I believe, was originally done by a departing year, year 12 group in 1980. I believe it was painted overnight by some students in their, as some sort of gesture as, from their departure from school back in 1980. But its days are numbered. It'll be removed later this year to allow an upgrade to the school. Mr Griffiths says the location of the wall is a school safety hazard. Rather than just leave that as it is, as the years go by, we've decided to do something about it. We've got some plans to remove the wall and the old basketball court area that's adjacent to it and re-landscape it, um, have a new path, uh, have a uh, sculpture garden going in, some planting, and also we have to accommodate a small outdoor educational amphitheatre. The then principal was furious as he came into school and saw the surprise painting the next morning. But according to ex-students, passers-by were very supportive of the patriotic design, unaware of the controversy. And it was painted under difficult conditions too. Not only was it dark, but Year 11 students allegedly threw eggs at the wall while it was being decorated. All those memories will be impossible to replace. But more than three decades on, the current principal says the school will do its bit to ensure the wall is not forgotten. Yes, I believe it, it does certainly have some heritage value. Uh, which we totally respect and that's why we've contacted uh, through our old boys network um, some old boys who are associated with it to begin with and other people that have had some sort of connection with it. We had a, uh, a wall, sort of war memory uh, occasion um, two weeks ago um, where we explained um, to some old boys and some uh, members of the public what our plans were and we're determined to preserve the heritage value of it. The school is already making plans for somewhere to remember the wall, perhaps on another wall. We intend to have somewhere in the school some kind of um, memorial of it, possibly a, a wall 
some a wall framed uh, pitch with some pictures before and after and some comments and things like that. So, so yes, we do respect the heritage value of it to the school and uh, the people who were connected with it originally, and we intend to have a permanent memory of it. Declan Gooch, Triple H News Desk. This is News Desk on Triple H 100.1 FM. Hornsby Council put on a special breakfast on Saturday to thank volunteers who worked on the Hornsby Mountain Bike Trail. The volunteers helped to maintain the track, which has seen more than 42,000 laps recorded in the period since it opened, which is less than a year. That makes it one of the most heavily used tracks in Australia. 105 people do four hours of work a month, keeping the facility in top shape. Stage two of the project is about to get underway, which is a 2.3-kilometre cross-country trail that links up with stage one. Tenders for this stage are still being assessed. Hornsby Mall will be the site of a number of summer activities and events over the next month, starting with a market this Friday. The Free Spirit Market will feature around 30 lo local stall holders selling homewares, jewellery, skincare products and food. It will return twice on the 6th and 13th of December. Mini Golf on Monday and Mini Chess on Tuesday will be followed by a free fitness boot camp next Wednesday. Organic markets on Thursday week and an e and evening entertainment sorry, from 5.30pm will also be hosted in the space, as well as a dog day for owners, which will see a fenced astroturf area set up for people to bring their dogs to play with each other. Vets will be there on the day and you can get your dog microchipped for free. These events will continue right up until Christmas. The Christmas Craft and Handmade Fair will be held on the 21st, 22nd and 23rd of December. Karingai volunteers are invited to an afternoon tea at the council chambers next week as the council says thank you for their work in the local community. Karingai Mayor Jennifer Anderson says volunteering can be a thankless job, but the council recognises volunteers' selfless work. The afternoon tea is at 2pm on December 5, which also happens to be International Volunteer Day. RSVP by this Friday. To do so, call Alison Grealish on 9424 That's 9424 Volunteering Australia estimates more than 6 million Australians give up their time. 23 degrees today in Hornsby and Karingai, but 30 tomorrow, which will top off a mostly cold, wet week last week. Over Friday and the weekend, we'll see showers and temperatures in the low 20s. It'll start to warm up again on Monday at 25 degrees, then on Tuesday we'll be three days into summer and it might just feel like it, 31 degrees and sunny. That's all for Triple H Newsdesk this week. If you missed part of the show or want to hear anything again, the entire episode and individual stories will be accessible via our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Triple H Newsdesk. Follow us on Twitter, we're at Triple H Newsdesk. And remember, always feel free to get in touch. We urge you to contact us if there's anything you think we should know. Email newsdesk at triplehfm.com.au. That's newsdesk at triple H, spelt out, T-R-I-P-L-E-H-F-M dot com dot A-U. Thanks for joining us this week. Newsdesk won't be back at the usual time next week. We're going to be off air for the next few weeks and James Elton Pym and I will return in the new year at the usual time, 9am Wednesdays. It's been a pleasure for Declan, James and myself as assistant producer to have put together the program over the last 18 weeks. We feel it's been very successful, but as always, we encourage feedback. Over the last few months, we've looked at violence in Brooklyn, trucks flouting the rules in Galston Gorge, and we're very proud of our comprehensive political coverage, both local at a time of great uncertainty in local government, and our stories on the federal election, where we made our federal politicians think local. Over our break, Newsdesk will remain very active. You can rely on us for coverage of major breaking stories in Hornsby and Karingai, and the whole team will still be working online and on air to make sure you get the local news coverage you need. Keep an ear out for a program we've called Newsdesk Local Voices. 
It's a series of our best interviews on the program this year, played in full and back-to-back. It'll air in this time slot and on Saturday evenings. Head to our Facebook page to find out more. Also, keep an eye on our Facebook page to find out when next year we'll be returning. And we'll continue to produce online content throughout the summer. If you've listened to Newsdesk this year, please consider supporting your local community radio station, Triple H FM. Membership isn't expensive, and you can help out behind the scenes, assist with fundraising, or even get on the air. It's only with your help that Triple H and Newsdesk can work. Visit triplehfm.com.au to find out how you can lend a hand. We'll be back on air as normal next year. If you've listened every week or if you're tuning in for the first time, thank you for supporting the best local news on radio. And thanks also to our assistant producer, Edward Luca, for filling in while James Elton Pym has been away. Have a very Merry Christmas and a safe and happy New Year. We'll leave you with Gotta Go Home by Boney M. You've been listening to a podcast of Triple H Newsdesk. To get in touch, email us, newsdesk at triplehfm.com.au. We want to hear from you. Be sure to tune in again on air at 100.1 FM or catch up online with podcasts like this.